your Bibles this morning and turn with me in your New Testaments to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew 13, the Lord Jesus gives the parable of the sower and the seed. He talks about the different kinds of ground that it falls on. And then the, the, the seed that finally takes root uh, gives forth fruit. And uh, we're, we're going to start with really just one verse right at the end of that, of that parable. If you look with me in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look down in verse 23. Let's all stand together. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. And let's, let's uh, recite Matthew 13, 23 out loud together in unison. Let's read it together. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that you would still our hearts this morning, and that you would allow us to concentrate on what thus saith the Lord. We're thankful, God, for your book. We're thankful for the Spirit of God who ministers to us with it. And, uh, Father, we pray that you would be here in full power this morning. Lord, I need you to preach. I need you to get forth a concept across the hearts. Uh, without you, Lord, I can't do it. And uh, Father, I just, I just pray that you give me clearness of speech. I pray that each of us would have clearness of hearing so that uh, we would have ears to hear and be able to respond to that which the Word of God says this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts, and as you speak to us, may we say yes to you. We're thankful, God, for your love, for your care. We, we love this Christmas season. We love it. But there's opportunities that we have to serve you during this time of year that just seem to be the doors and windows of people's hearts just seem to be a little bit more open. So may we be challenged this morning uh, in our service for you, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. The, the verse says that the seed that was received on the good ground, it, it brought forth fruit. And it brought forth fruit 30, some 30, some 60, some 100. Now, fruit in the, in the Bible is uh, never for the benefit of the tree. Fruit is always for the benefit for somebody else. The reason why you bear fruit, why you should bear fruit as a Christian, has nothing to do with you and it has everything to do with others. It has everything to do with God because it pleases God that we bear fruit. And then it's also for the benefit of other people that are around us. And if fruit in the Bible takes different forms. I think oftentimes, and I was stuck in this for a long time as a young Christian, every time I saw fruit, I saw souls. Now, I will say that souls are a type of fruit. Over in Romans chapter 1, verse 13, it talks about, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, getting fruit, and what he's talking about is people. He's talking about people getting saved and, and serving the Lord. So souls are one kind of fruit, but that's not the only kind of fruit. Uh, also, holiness, Romans chapter 6, verse 22, tells us that a, that a holy life 
is fruit that, that, uh, that we can bear. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 28, talks about giving being a fruit, and uh, a fruit of the Christian life. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's not only something that is commanded for us to do, but it's something that we ought to always look at as a privilege to do. It's a privilege to be able to, to give and uh, give to others and, and give to God so that, so that uh, there can be fruit on our behalf. Then in Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about uh, the difference between walking after the flesh and walking after the Spirit, it, it gives the, the fact that we can live a Spirit-filled life. And, and uh, it, gives the, it gives the fruit of the Spirit, that when the Spirit of God is in us and is, is, has full control, we bring forth fruit through living, living through the Spirit of God. And then good works is, uh, is another way that we bear fruit. Just by, by doing good and going out and being a blessing and a help to others. And then the last way that we, that we can bear fruit is by praise and thanksgiving to God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 talks about uh, the sacrifice of our lips and about the praise and thanksgiving that we can give forth, uh, and that is fruit. In this particular case, however, he's, he's talking about fruit that, that is being born, and he says they don't all bear fruit the same. And he says some bear fruit 30-fold, some bear fruit 60-fold, some bear fruit 100-fold. So you've got three different kinds of fruit-bearing Christians. You've got a, well, actually you've got four. You've got those that don't bear fruit. You've got those that bear 30-fold. You've got those that bear 60-fold, and then you've got those that bear 100-fold. Now, what's the difference between that? Well, a 30-fold Christian is, is obedient. A 30-fold Christian does bear fruit, but the 30-fold Christian does just what's required. They, after they get saved, they get baptized. When, when, it comes, when the church doors are open, they're there. Uh, they read their Bible. They pray. They witness uh, they they uh, try to lead a separated life. They tithe. Uh, they do those things which are, are pleasing in the sight of the Lord, but they do what's required. They know what they're supposed to do, and, and they do it. Uh, there, was a, there was a man who uh, needed a job, and he went to a well-known businessman, and he asked if he had any work for him. And the man said, yeah, he says, I've got work for you. And uh, he says, you see that, those pile of bricks over there in the, in the yard? And he says, yeah. He says, all right, I want you to take those pile of bricks, and I want you to take them all the way across. He says, and I want you to deposit them over here. And he said, okay. And he says, when you're done, you come see me. So he, he went and he got a wheelbarrow, and he began to transport those bricks all over to the other side. He got done at the end of the morning, and he went over. He says, do you have any more work? He says, yes, yes, I do. He says, you see that pile of bricks that you just brought over here? And he she said, yes. He says, I want you to take those pile of bricks and I want you to transport them all the way back to where you found them. The guy says, you're kidding. He says, no, that's what I'd like you to do. He says, okay. So he got his wheelbarrow and he did it. Five days in a row, that fellow went up to him and said, do you have work for me? And he said, yes, I do. And he gave him the same task over and over and over again. 
Then the weekend came. He got paid for that week. The weekend came, and on Monday, he asked if he had work for him. And he says, yes, as a matter of fact. He said, I do. And he says, but before, before uh, you work, he says, he says, I'd like to buy you a suit. He says, because you're going to have to dress differently for this job. And uh, he says, I'm going to send you to a, to a warehouse to place a bid for me. And that man became the purchasing agent for that guy's large corporation. Now, what was he looking for? He was looking for somebody who would just do what they're told. The man didn't complain. The man didn't, and, and, and he just he told him the same thing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he just hauled bricks back and forth to the same place. But he, he understood, the, the man that had told him to do that understood that he had somebody who was obedient. And he had somebody that could take orders, and he had somebody he could trust. That's a 30-fold Christian. So what's a 60-fold Christian? Well, a 60-fold Christian goes beyond what's required. Uh, Jesus talked about going the second mile. They go the extra, the extra mile. They do extra, and not in order to get favor, not in order to get brownie points, not because of perks. You know, I think sometimes, even in the Christian life, sometimes we get to the point where, you know, we do good, and then we stand back and we say, okay, God, now bless me. Well, it doesn't always work that way. And if you've been saved for very long, you know it doesn't always work that way. Uh, God is always as good as his word, and the blessings will be there, but they'll always be there in God's timing, not in our timing. And, uh, uh, but a, a person who is a, a 60-fold Christian does extra, not for the perks and not for the, for the blessings, but because they love the Savior, because they just love the Lord. You know, if, if, if there have been times when you have just done what you do because you love God. You, you don't necessarily like the task that God has asked you to do, but, but you go ahead and do it because you know it would please Him. You know, uh, one of the things that, and I've given this as an illustration before, but it's really true. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, my last year in high school, I worked for a year in a bakery. In fact, I worked in what I think is probably, if it's not the best bakery in Rochester, it's one of the best bakeries in Rochester. It's located in Greece. It's called Jackson's Bakery. And, uh, in fact, my sister tried to get a, um, an order, and she called a week before Thanksgiving, and they said, no. She says, you can't, we, can't, we, we can't fill the orders. We're not taking any more orders for Thanksgiving. I mean, that's how good they are. I have actually gone past there years ago. I don't know what it's like today. But years ago, I'd go past there and I'd see a, a line uh, during the holidays just trying to, you know, from the outside of the building, trying to get in. But that's the that's bakery I worked for. No, I didn't, I didn't wait on people. No, I didn't, uh, I wasn't baking anything. And if I did, you wouldn't have wanted to eat it and there wouldn't have been a line outside of the place. But, uh, but what, what I did do is I washed dishes. Can I tell you something? I hate washing dishes. I just do. I don't like it. And, uh, but, but, but I did that, and I did that for money because, uh, because, because I wanted to have something in my pocket as a teenager. Well, then I got married. And uh, uh, I don't normally, on a, on a regular basis, do dishes. My wife and my daughter do that. But from time to time, 
uh, less and less lately, actually. But uh, from time to time, I'll, I'll do the dishes. I've done the dishes. I still don't like doing dishes. But you know what? I really do love this lady down here. And if I know that she's out doing something and had a rough day, uh, I've done dishes for her. And we got dishwasher now, so I don't have to feel bad when I don't do the dishes as much anymore. But, but, the, but my point is this. When was the last time you did something for God that you didn't even really want to do? But you did it anyway because you just really love them. That's a 60-fold Christian. They do extra because of the love of the Savior. Uh, they, they live a life of sacrifice. And they live a life of dedication. And again, be, just because they love him. And a 60-fold Christian uh, sees something that needs to be done. They don't have to be told to do it. It's not one of these, you know, uh, tell me and I'll do it. I see it needs to be done, so I'll just go ahead and do it. And the whole motivation while they're doing it is because they love the Lord. That's a 60-fold Christian. You see, so what's a, what's a hundredfold Christian? Well, a hundredfold Christian is one who's totally surrendered, one that's totally sold out. They've given all, and they've given it all to God. Uh, Luke chapter 14 and verse 33 says, Whosoever he be of you, this is Jesus speaking, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, Abraham was a hundredfolder. Abraham was comfortable in his home. And God came to him and said, listen, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he says, here's what I want you to do, though. He says, I want you to pull up your ten pegs, and I want you to start traveling. And I don't know if this conversation went on or not, but I know that uh, he didn't give him direction as it, a destination. He didn't tell him exactly where he was going. He did direct him. He did guide him. But uh, when, when, when Abraham decided to do that, he did not know how far he was going to go. He did not know how long he was going to be gone. All he knew was that God had something he wanted him to do. And he was 100% sold out. He said, okay, if that's what God wants me to do, I'll do it. Later on in life, in very late in life, God gave to Abraham a son. It was his only son through his wife, Sarah. And God came to him one day and said, I want you to do something. I want you to take that son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him for me. Now you say, you know, that would be terrible for someone to, 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 to have to sacrifice their own son. Yeah, it would be a very, very hard thing to do. But the amazing thing to me in Genesis chapter 22 is that Abraham never argues with God. He doesn't make an appeal. He doesn't argue. He just figures if that would please God, that'll please him. And he was willing to do it. Took him all the way up to the, the mountain, took his son and uh, Isaac and laid him on the altar, had him ready to go, was ready to plunge the knife, and God stopped him and provided a ram in the thicket. But understand, he was ready to give it all. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, gives us a little peek into Abraham's heart. 
Abraham believed with all his heart that if he, if he slayed his son as a sacrifice because of the promise that God had made previously about bringing forth a seed through, through Isaac. Isaac had not been married yet, and uh, he really believed that God would raise him from the dead. Again, what is that? That's a sold-out person. That's a, that's a hundred-folder. Paul in the New Testament was a hundred-folder. Uh, he counted all things but dung that he might win Christ. Uh, he, had, he had luxury in his past. He had easy living in his past. He turned, uh, turned his back on all that stuff and, and did so so that he could serve God 100%. Now there's differences in, in service between the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and the 100-fold. Here's, here's some examples. A... 30-fold Christian will pass out tracts. A 60-fold Christian will witness and win souls to Christ. A 100-fold Christian will dedicate their life to seeing people saved. Now listen, you don't have to be called to preach to get, dedicate your life to see people get saved. The truth of the matter is that ought to be the heartbeat of every one of us. And the reason why is because that's the heartbeat of God. God's desire, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. A good question to ask ourselves is, are we willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? Another example of, of a 30 and a 60 and a 100-fold, a 30, 30-fold Christian tithes. Nothing else, but they tithe. A 60-fold Christian gives tithes and offerings. A 100-fold Christian comes to God and says, it's all yours. That doesn't mean you have to put it all on the plate, but that just means that a 100-fold Christian comes to God and says, listen, all that I have is yours. You can do anything you want to with it. Here it is. Another example of 30, 60, and 100 is it has to do with sin. 30-fold Christian separates themselves from sin. A 60-fold Christian separates themselves from questionable things, not just sin, but also questionable things. A 100-fold Christian separates themselves from sin, from questionable things, and even from good things that hold them back. That's the difference. Those are differences between 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And look with me down in verses... 8 and 15. Luke chapter 8, verse, verses 8 and 15. Verse 8, and again, this is speaking of bearing fruits. It's speaking of this, the, the parable of the, the sower and the seed. It says, And other, other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now drop down to verse 15 says, but then on the good ground are they which are an honest and good heart, having heard the word and keep it, 
and bring forth fruit with patience. Now what this shows us is this shows us some characteristics of the hundredfold Christian that bears, that bears fruit. There's, there's four characteristics that we see here. Number one, they have honest and a good heart. They are sincere in what they believe. They believe it with all their heart. Keep your finger here and go with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1. I know a, a pastor over in Rochester who when he, he started a new church here several years ago. And uh, the church is really doing well, from what I understand. It's growing. It's winning souls. There's, it's, it's just doing a good job. And uh, when the guy founded the church, he decided to, 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 to have as a theme verse for his church 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12, which says this, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, with fleshly, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. It talks about in simplicity and godly sincerity. And that's, that's the motto of their church, being simple but yet being godly in their sincerity. That's an honest and a good heart, one that's sincere, one that really has a heartfelt belief and a heartfelt love for, the, for their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they, they, because they love God, everything springs out from that. I can, I can remember years ago going to an educator's convention for a particular curriculum, and, and in that educators' convention, they, they were explaining to us uh, where the concepts of the curriculum and where the, where the things from, that were in the curriculum came from. And this is the way they explained it. In fact, it was, uh, it was uh, David Gibbs who gave the explanation. I'll, I'll never forget it. And uh, uh, he was not only a, a lawyer at the time, he was with CLA, uh, but he also was uh, on the board for this particular curriculum. And, uh, and he, he said this. He said, everything that's taught doesn't just get taught and, a, and the Bible added to it. He says, it gets taught because it springs forth out of biblical truth. I thought, man, that's the way it ought to be. Well, that's not only the way a curriculum ought to be, but that's the way our lives ought to be. Not only that, it, that, it, that it, our lives spring forth from biblical truth and we do everything that we do because of what the Bible says, but our service springs forth from love for the Savior. Can I tell you why I'm going to be here tonight in the evening service? You say, because you're the pastor and you better be here. <laughs> okay, but that's not why I'm going to be here, because long before I ever became pastor of this church and long before I was ever even in the ministry, every time the door was open, I went through it. You know why I did it? I didn't do it because I was pressured. I didn't do it because I had to. I didn't do it because I had to be a testimony in my family because my whole family at that time wasn't even married yet. My whole family was lost. 
And, and I don't, don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I love my Savior. And I went just because I love the Savior. There are, there are times when, even today, that uh, I, I come in, whether it be to the office or whether it be to a church service, and, you know, you, you say, well, I always want to go to church. Well, then you got it better than the preacher because I don't always want to come to church. I'm sorry. You say, you say well, you're carnal. Yeah, I probably am. Uh, fleshly and everything else. But can I tell you something? The reason why I do go is not because I just have to go, but I remember who I'm going for. And that ought to be, that ought to be our motivation for everything that we do. A heart that loves God. Everything that we do ought to spring forth from that. And we ought to hold nothing back. A hundredfold Christian doesn't hold anything back from God. Uh, I, I am convinced that God wants to give more and do more to us as individuals and to our church as a whole. But we're holding back from God. We're holding back. And God's just waiting for us to step across the line into that 100% where we do what we do just because we love him. Listen, I'm here to testify this morning. I have a great Savior. I can recommend him without hesitation. My Savior has been good to me. My Savior has been merciful to me. My Savior gave himself for me so that I could have my sins forgiven, and I could live with him eternally. Listen, if that doesn't cause you to fall in love with him, you're not understanding what he did for you. You're really not. It is so important for what we, what we do to come forth, uh, a good and an honest heart to spring forth out of a loving heart for him. The, the, second, the second thing, the second characteristic in those verses it says that they hear the word of God and they keep it. A hundredfold Christian keeps what they know. If you know the Bible says something, if you're a hundredfolder, you do it. Why? Because it says so. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 17, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. You know, what, if, what have you heard, or what have you read, or what do you know that's in this book that you're not doing? Well, can I tell you, again, to go back to that first point, can I tell you what's, what's slipping? Your love. When our love starts to slip, so does our life start to slip. And we ought to do what we do because we love the Lord, and a hundredfold Christian hears the word of God and keeps the word of God. You know, can you, can, you think, can you think of just two things in your life that God wants you to do or not do, and you've not given in to him yet? Two things. I didn't ask you for ten things. I didn't ask you for a hundred things. Just two things. Okay, look at those two things. Are you willing today to say, God, I'm going to quit fighting you on those two things. And starting today, I'm going to be a hundredfolder because I'm going to give those things to you. Are you different 
in any area of your life than you were a year ago. Now, let's face it. If, if all you do is come on Sunday morning, you still have heard the Word of God probably close to between 45 and, and 52 times over and over and over and over again preached. You've probably picked up your Bible and you've read it. Is there, are there any changes between last year and this year? If you're a hundredfolder, you could say, yeah, I see this change and I see this change. If not, why don't you decide today that I'm not going to, to sit in the rut anymore and I'm going to get out of it and I'm going to, I'm going to go into that hundredfold category. Third thing is uh, it brings forth fruit. But notice how it says it does it. I don't like this either. You won't like it. I don't like it. It says it brings forth fruit with patience. <laughs> In other words, it waits for the fruit. You know, there's not, there's not a, a, a fruit tree out there that flowers on Monday and brings forth fruit ready to be picked and eat on Tuesday. doesn't work that way. Uh, it takes time, and it takes patience, and it takes effort. Uh, don't expect uh, instantaneous results. And a hundredfolder doesn't. They understand that, that God will bring forth his fruit uh, and God will, will be true and God will bring forth a crop, but he'll do so in his season. And they're, they're willing to wait for it. They're willing to be patient. A, uh, a person that, that uh, is a hundredfolder is a consistent Christian. You know, one of the things that God has really been working on in my life and I've thought a lot about the last few weeks is the importance of, the importance, the importance of consistency in the Christian life. It's important that we're consistent. Uh, go over to James chapter 1 with me. Put one finger in James 1 and another finger in John 8. James chapter 1 and John chapter 8. James chapter 1 and John chapter 8. James chapter 1, look down at verse 25. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. It says that, that uh, uh, we ought to look at the Word of God and then continue in the Word of God. And what that means is we do what it says. We don't just do it one time. We do it on a continual and a consistent basis. Go, go with me over to John chapter 8. Jesus had been speaking. He had been, been speaking to, to a crowd. Many of them believed on him. And if, if you, in fact, if you look in verse 30, it says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then verse 31, he says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I hear verse 32 quoted a lot. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But what I 
don't hear very much is what he said before that. And what he said before that was, if ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. What does it mean to continue? To be consistent and just consistently do what the word of God says. A hundredfolder is, is willing to wait on God for the results. And, and patience, and I've, I've seen this over and over again, Patience walks hand in hand with faith. Because you believe God and you believe His promises, you're willing to wait for the fulfillment of that. And then the last, last characteristic of a hundredfold Christian, they're honest and good heart. They hear the Word of God and keep it. They bring forth fruit with patience and do so consistently. And last of all, they serve God to their full potential. That's why they're a hundredfolder. You know, all of us have been given different pluses and minuses. We all have things that we have to struggle with, but we all have things that we've been given that we can do. Some, some have better brains than others and better thinking capacity. Some, some are, are very good with your hands. Some are very good with, uh, with music. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at... <laughs> I've, got a, I've, got a grand, I've got a granddaughter, and that's the truth. I've got a granddaughter, just one. But uh, and she's a, she's a flower amongst thorns. But uh, good good looking thorns, but thorns, the boys. Uh, but uh, my granddaughter's got all kinds of talent and ability. I, I don't. She must have gotten it from her mother's side because I don't think it really came from the from uh, from from uh, from the father's side. I know what the father's side consists of. But uh, but she has that ability. You have those. Uh, you have abilities. I don't know what they are. You have. You have strength. What are you doing with them? Are you hundred percent sold out to God? And do you use what you've got? You say, "Well, I don't have much." Okay, that's fine. But what you have, what are you doing with it? Where would you put yourself? Are you zero fruit? Thirtyfold. 60-fold or 100-fold? Now, you know what? If you're zero, I challenge you to go from zero to 30. If you're 30, I'll challenge you this morning to go from 30 to 60. If you're 60, I challenge you this morning to go from 60 to 100. But start to take the potential that God has given to you and use it to the fullest. You know, the bottom line is this. Don't you want to be used of God? I do. I want to be used of Him. I want to be used of Him to, to full capacity. I trust that you do too. But, but we, we need to give ourselves to Him. Um, I found this, that hundredfold Christians make the best husbands, make the best wives, make the best sons, make the best daughters, uh, make the best employers. They also make the best employees. They make the best students. They make the best Sunday school teachers. They make the best choir members. They make the best ushers. Uh, we need to be sold out to God. You know, the, 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 the truth is, is that when Jesus Christ did what he did for us, he didn't give 30%. He didn't give 60%. When he died on that cross, he gave us 
100%. He held absolutely nothing back and died for all of your sins. Aren't you glad he didn't just die for 60% of your sin? (laughs) He didn't. He died for 100% of your sin. But it cost him to do that. Now, I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to fool you here this morning. If you become a hundred percenter, if you determine in your heart that I, I want to give more to God, I want to, I want to be more for God, I want to love God more, I've been holding back on him. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But you know what? Uh, Jesus said, or the Bible says about Jesus, that... He went to the cross because he had, his, he had his sights on the joy that was set before him, meaning not the cross, but after the cross. And when you give yourself to God and you pull back those things which you have withheld from him and, and just, just open up your hands and just give it to him, he'll take you and use you like you've never seen before. And we need to do it because we love him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, this morning, I pray it should help all of us to just really step back and just look at our lives and say, where, where am I at? And am I bearing forth fruit at all? Those six things that we talked about at the very beginning of the message, are those things evident, any of those things, evident in my life? And if they are, Is it a 30-fold deal? Is it a 60-fold deal? Or is it a 100-fold deal? Because I've taken my hands off and given it to you. Lord, I pray that you get a hold of our hearts this morning. And may we be honest before you. Lord, with a message like this, God can put his finger on a myriad of different things in our lives as you do that. My prayer is that we'll respond to you and take our hands off of that thing, whatever it might be, or things, and willingly and lovingly surrender them to you. And do so in simplicity and with a heart of godly sincerity, because we love you. We're so thankful you're our Savior. Please bless this message this morning and this invitation. Please bless the Word of God as it's entered into our hearts May it bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.